begin with um, the utter incompetence of the White House. Do you know that the chief White House spokesperson, Jen Psaki, is on vacation? Now, maybe she could have come back for something like this, one of the worst American foreign policy debacles in history. Maybe Jen could have said, you know, I'm going to go back for a couple of days. No, no. Uh, Even Biden had to be cajoled, I understand, to uh, give uh, an address today. So this proves that President Biden is diminished. I've said that now for a while. I don't know. I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to speculate about any physical condition. I'm going to tell you the man's diminished. He doesn't really understand what's happening. And if you combine the border, which is a total collapse, and we have an interesting soundbite coming up on that, with Afghanistan, do you really need to know anymore for that statement to be challenged? Is there anybody going to challenge my statement that Joe Biden's a diminished human being? I don't think so. But if you do, Bill at BillOReilly.com, Send it along. So we have two catastrophes, plus inflation, plus gas prices and OPEC. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, we'll stop all our gas production here on federal land, but we'll uh, threaten OPEC to pick it up over there or else. That makes sense to you? To anyone? And then food's way up. You got the litany, but let's stay on Afghanistan. Um, So... Let me give you the facts of the place first. That's where we're going to start. 38 million people, most of whom live in tribes. They've lived there for hundreds of years in their area. It's unsophisticated, um, low life expectancy. Some places don't have electricity. It's tribe. They don't many Afghans have any allegiance to Kabul. Most of them haven't been there. They don't know who these people are because many Afghans can't read or write. Perhaps half the country is illiterate. There's no cable news. So they they live in their tribes like they've always lived. All right. The big cash crop is opium. That leads to heroin, as you know. U.S. couldn't stop it because the Afghan people make their living on opium and other crops, but that's the big cash crop. Now, they don't know the Declaration of Independence from some babbling brook in the middle of their village. They don't know any of this freedom business because most of them subscribe to a very primitive form of Islam, where women are, you do what you're told and you cover it up. And if you don't, we're going to hurt you physically. All right, that's the society. Now, we invaded Afghanistan, the United States and NATO forces, on October 7, 2001. And President Bush did that because the 9-11 attack came out of Afghanistan. That's where Osama bin Laden was based. That's where the plot was hatched. And 9-11 was such an outrage that President Bush was compelled, mandated, to track down the miscreants which were Al-Qaeda, bin Laden, and Taliban who were protecting bin Laden. That's why we went there. 
in the first place. You had to do it. You had to do it. And we were victorious. We chased the Taliban all over the country. Most of them went to Pakistan, our so-called ally, which is the biggest joke in the world. And the Taliban government fell, replaced by Ahmed Karzai. Remember him? Okay. American puppet. American told him what to do. They started to form some kind of democracy. Oh, yeah. So in the face of this, the United States decided to rebuild Afghanistan into a sophisticated modern state. We failed. Because nobody could do it. Not just our failure. Maybe God could come out and do it. But nobody, no human being could do it because of the society and the geography of the place. Again, the power is in the local precincts with the warlords. They control it. No central government will ever control it. Russia found that out. Soviet Union, I should say. So we decided the nation bill. Now, the cost of that has been between one and two trillion American taxpayer dollars. Can you believe that? Okay, now I know that's nothing to Joe Biden, but it's something to me. One and two trillion in Afghanistan. But far worse are 2,300 dead U.S. military personnel. And 21,000 plus wounded. And we'll talk to one of those wounded vets coming up. That's far worse than the money. Now, under Bush, 564 American military were killed. Under Obama, 1,729. Remember, Obama surged Afghanistan to try to knock out the Taliban once and for all. He failed. Under Trump, 63 in four years, U.S. personnel were killed. And I'll, and I'll get tell you why in a moment. Okay, under Biden, nobody's been killed. Now, U.S. forces are protecting the airport now. You see these horrendous pictures. Let's roll them on in. Uh, thousands of Afghans know they're going to be beheaded or, or whatever when the Taliban takes over and run to the airport, which is controlled by U.S. forces. And some of them are grabbing planes and dying. And I mean, this is very similar to Saigon in Vietnam. It's not the same situation. All right, the South Vietnamese held out for two years. The Afghan government held out for two minutes. Okay, so a little bit different. But it's the same human catastrophe. All right, these people surging into the airport, try to get the hell out of there. Now, the U.S. military has, has um, circled the airport and has control of it now. And a lot of flights are going to go in and out taking refugees out of the country because, as I said, Taliban is going to execute thousands of people. All right? And women, forget it. You're an Afghan woman. It's over. All right? This is Now, remember, Joe Biden watching all this. Okay, so uh, all the stats I gave you and all the information I gave you comes from the Department of Defense itself. Just so you know the source of the information. Okay, so... What happened under Obama was that he thought he could neutralize the bad guys and it didn't work. Trump came in and said, you know what, we're getting out. And he campaigned on that. 
Now, Donald Trump comes at this from a business point of view. Why are we spending a trillion, two trillion there when this country is never going to be able to help America ever? Why are we doing that? And you can make a theoretical argument while well, we're protecting the world against uh, Al Qaeda and ISIS and all that. But it basically says, no, we're going to get out. But what Trump did, and I'll tell you about my uh, conversation with him in a, mo in a moment. What Trump did is he made it quite clear to the enemy, the Taliban, what would happen if they violated the Trump deal, which I'll get to in a moment. By the way, the Afghan president, Ghani, fled to Tashkent, we understand, um, Uzbekistan. Well, he got out real fast. And he got out with a lot of money, I understand, but I don't know if that's true. I can't confirm that. Okay, so the Trump administration began negotiating with the Taliban on September 12, 2020, about a year ago. And the negotiations were held in Qatar, which is an Arab country in the Persian Gulf, very wealthy. Now, no representatives from Kabul, from the Afghan government, were in those negotiations. That was an enormous mistake. Enormous mistake by the Trump administration because it sent a signal to the Afghan people like these people in Kabul, they don't really matter. They're not even in on the negotiation. And the Taliban got that message, too. So let's get to my uh, let's get to my conversation with Trump. Then we'll run in a few sound bites. So I get a call on Thursday night from the former president. And he wants to talk about Afghanistan because he knows that I know the country because I visited the country along with uh, Colonel Hunt and some of our factor personnel in 2007. So he knows I know what's happening there. And the first thing he said to me is this would not have happened had I still been president. And I said, well, how can you prove that? And he said, because I talked to the Taliban leadership in person. You may remember, it's a big controversy because Trump invited those people to Camp David for an eye to eye, but it never happened. He says, I talked to them and I told them, we're going to pull out. The U.S. is going to pull out. But if you don't participate in a coalition government, if you try to take the country by force, we're not only going to come back, we're going to kill you and everybody you know. That, he told that to the Taliban leaders. How do you do that? Drones. That's how you do it. So Donald Trump, and I believe him, said to these guys, mano a mano, you don't participate in a coalition government, you attack Americans, do anything, okay, then we're coming back and we're going to get you personally. So it stopped. Well, Trump left office and Biden came into office. It stopped because the Taliban believed Trump. They don't believe Biden. It's obvious. Now, unintended consequences all day long. And this is what Biden will never understand because it's too much for him to absorb. Number one, more than a thousand ISIS criminals in prison in Afghanistan have been released. Where do you think those people are going? Where do you think they're going? They're coming right after us. Okay, number two, billions of dollars of American ordnance now in the hands of the Taliban. Captured American weapons, ammunition, trucks, tanks, you name it. They got them. Biden didn't protect them. 
Okay? Three, the human rights thing is just off the chart. Where's Me Too? Where, where's Time's Up? You hear anything from them? <laughs> I mean, the women are going to get just hammered. And no woman in Afghanistan will escape it. Not one. And Kabul had built schools for women, for girls, to educate them, to get them involved in what was supposed to be a growing middle class. Gone. Biden know that? Okay. So you have a situation that is a disaster. You can't spin it. Biden tried today. It was a joke. And again, I'll deal with that tomorrow because I want to see the reaction to his spin. Now, let me give you the reaction to Biden before this collapse. So we'll start with him. And this was said July 8th, 2021. Roll it. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Do you trust the Taliban, sir? You, is that a serious question? It's absolutely a serious question. It's a, it's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. All right, so why didn't you leave a residual force, as I suggested, of 3,000 people, military personnel in, Agra, in Bagram? You don't trust them. Why didn't you leave the 3,000? Which would have bolstered the Afghan army, which, of course, deserted because they go, yeah, the Taliban's going to win. That's why. Now, even the left, all right. Even the, the we love Joe Biden. And by the way, if you're watching me now and you voted for Joe Biden, you happy? You happy with him after seven months? All right. Here's uh, Tapper, who's a despicable human being. Go. That is, of course, a sharp turnaround from six weeks ago when President Biden called it highly unlikely that the Taliban would overrun the country. An assessment that even at the time struck many experts in Biden's own administration as unrealistic. And now as American diplomats rush to shred embassy documents and escape, it seems shocking that President Biden could have been so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's shocked. He's shocked. I guess Jake's missing what happened in the border. He's missing that. Kind of missing uh, gas prices up a buck and a quarter for everybody. Oh, it's shocking. How could he miss it? Martha Raddatz. She knows what she's talking about. All right, she works for ABC, but an ardent, ardent liberal. Roll it. But I can tell you of the failures, John, that are so obvious at this point. The training mission of those Afghan forces, $83 billion worth, clearly failed. The negotiations with the Taliban clearly failed. And you also had a really massive intelligence failure here that the U.S. did not realize how quickly the Taliban could take over. And we have been there for 20 years. We know the Taliban. We have people on the ground. And yet you, the U.S. was caught unaware and completely off guard. That's not true. All right, there were many people inside the Pentagon. I told Biden and the Secretary of State, who's a total idiot, Anthony Blinken, nobody even knows who he is. Uh, I'll give a soundbite from him in a minute. They told him, 
You can't pull everybody out. You got to keep a residual force of special forces and people to maintain the Air Force, the Afghan flying a plane. And, and Radis goes, oh, caught completely off guard. That's a, that's a lie. Now, does she know it's a lie? She should. All right, let's get to Blinken. Now, this is probably the worst Secretary of State since, I don't know, John Calhoun. I mean, this guy, roll it. So I think there, there, there are two things that are important here. First, I come back to this proposition that uh, in terms of what we set out to do in Afghanistan, the reason we were there in the first place, to deal with those who attacked us on 9-11, we succeeded in doing that. And that message, I think, uh, should ring out very strongly. Uh, it's also true that there's nothing that our strategic competitors around the world would like more than to see us bogged down in Afghanistan for another 5, 10, or 20 years. That is not in the national interest. You are an idiot. Keeping 3,000 troops there is not bogged down. So now we're right back where we were 20 years ago with all of the death, destruction, and expenditure right back where we were. In fact, it's worse because the Taliban have all the captured U.S. equipment. And Blinken, uh, 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 we don't want to get bogged down. You know, I'm trying to keep it, I'm trying to keep my composure here, but this is the worst administration in my lifetime by far, and it's only seven months. So as I mentioned, I went to Afghanistan, let's put some uh, stills up there in 2007. And uh, one of the reasons I went there was a morale boost to the US troops. Uh, there's Colonel Hunt with me. Um, and we got a good look around. And we uh, talked to a lot of special forces and a lot of people who had been what they call up country in the mountain regions. Um, we interviewed the brass over there, and at the time we were there, it was fairly stable. And this again is in 2007, six years after the initial invasion. All right, the uh, Afghan society was uh, veering toward a civility, and the U.S. seemed to have a grip on the country. All right, so joining us now from Maine is Colonel David Hunt. You uh, may remember him. Uh, put him on the screen, please. Uh, he was a factor regular when I worked at Fox News. He was my bodyguard in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's a decorated uh, army guy and fought in Vietnam and other places. And he is not too happy today. Is that correct, Colonel? That's a bad day, Bill. Tell us why. It's uh, it's made worse what we what we were witnessing because of what happened in Saigon uh, 50 years ago. It's, it's a similar collapse because of a lack of planning and execute and execute. We uh, we knew month, uh, weeks ago and certainly about 90 days ago how poor the Afghan military was going to react because of the fall of Kandahar and other places. The reason for that fall, reason for they get, giving up. You've already commented on, and the Afghan government stopped supplying their own army. No water, no food, no bullets, no no logistics. Um, the other piece you've already covered, which is Kabul never ever controlled or influenced the majority of Afghanistan. We made a terrible mistake 20 years ago in trying to develop that. 
It's not like we didn't know how bad the Afghan government was. This was not an intel failure to, uh, last, this week. It was not a military failure. The, the Department of Defense and the national, national intelligence community have briefed the White House and the president on every aspect of how quickly this was going down. We waited way too long to pull Americans out and the Afghans that we owe um, allegiance to and help. And so now we've got the Taliban in total control of the country. They have, we, we do have soldiers at the airport, but we're coordinating with the Taliban. It's well, we made a deal, we made a deal with them that they aren't gonna go into the airport and they'll let these people get out. But look, um, under Trump, you had the same situation that you had under Biden. Nothing changed, all right? Four years, Trump wanted to get out. He did the negotiations. I, I clearly stated he made a mistake by not including Kabul. I don't know what that, that would have done, but it sent a message. But when Biden comes in and he says, as you clearly heard, hey, don't worry about it. They got 300,000 guys well-armed. Taliban got 75,000. They had no way this country's going to fall. You as a military veteran, when you hear the commander-in-chief say that, what do you say? Somebody's lying. And it, the, the, the Department of Defense, uh, anybody who served there um, will talk about how good the units they served with in Afghanistan when they were there, the, the Special Forces guys in particular. But once we left, we pulled back um, and tried to let them do it on their own. It failed. It clearly failed for the last 90 days. Um, Taliban moved fast. We knew they were going to move fast because there was nothing to stop them. We want to evacuate the embassy, which we should have. It should have been a minimum 30 days ago, not two days ago. Okay, so let me stop. Did. Let me stop you there. So you said he's lying, but Biden had to know, or his people, blink in the Pentagon. Hey, if we pull out so fast, don't leave the residual force. This place is going to go up very quickly. So I think that Biden is surprised that this happened. I don't know if he's lying. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's capable of that kind of military analysis. He's not capable of of anything, in my opinion, right now. He can't do anything. But but he's, be, he's it would being be briefed. It we would what? He's being briefed. Daily. Yeah, he's being briefed. But why would he why would he lie in July? If the thing's going to topple in a week, I mean, he, he look how bad he looks now. Even the most ardent Biden supporters. I mean, you look like a clown if you're defending him. Do you not? Yeah. We can, the, the reason I'm talking about lying is that the Department of Defense and the intelligence community, daily basis, I put the maps up and talk about where the Taliban are, how bad the Afghan military was performing, that, and then he goes, he goes on television and said, no, the, three, the 300,000 soldiers versus 75. The problem, 75,000. The problem is those for 20 years, those soldiers did not fight well. Same with Iraq. We had a similar situation in Iraq as, as we did in Saigon when ISIS came across the border and 60,000 Iraqis ran off the battlefield. Okay, but, but well, let me stop you again. But we have U.S. troops in Iraq now. They went back after the Obama catastrophe that allowed ISIS to take over half the country and move into Syria as well. That was the caliphate. Once that happened, and Obama did it with Biden sitting right next to him, they saw it. 
Then we surged in with U.S. troops and stabilized the country. So what I'm saying, and feel free to disagree, is if you left 3,000 special forces in Bagram, this Taliban march wouldn't have happened, at least not that easily. The, it would take, the idea of, my idea has always been to leave a kind of terrorism force. You wouldn't leave 3,000 special forces guarding an airport. You take a Marine or an Army division. The problem is the Kabul is a very big place, as you remember. And if, it's, if we were going to affect the fall of Kabul, it would take a lot more than 3,000. You could protect the airport, but you're not going to protect the city. All right, but, but we're talking air power. We're talking maintenance of planes. We're talking confidence of the Afghan people. You know, they see the Americans are still here. All of that. Last word on it, Colonel. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's just an embarrassing moment. As you, In my lifetime, I've never seen this. I've seen it twice. Not, the reason this is worse, because we had Saigon, we should have learned. This was a presidential decision in which he was fully briefed on the facts and had recommendations on what to do and didn't follow it. Only the president could have made this decision. He, he made a very, very poor one, and we're going to pay for this for a while. All right, Colonel, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Okay, let's turn to the personal side. I want to tell you a story about a guy that we know um, through the independencefund.org, um, and we try to help that charity, which helps the severely wounded veterans. Now, his name is Corporal Kevin Brewington. Uh, he lives on Fripp Island, South Carolina, and he was in Afghanistan um, on patrol on September 22, 2011, four years after I was there stepped on a mine, he lost both his legs, and uh, his right arm was severely damaged as well. So through his bravery and uh, absolute phenomenal persistence and courage, uh, Kevin uh, has resumed his life here. He's married two daughters and a dog, uh, but his sacrifice in Afghanistan is almost indescribable. So he joins us now from South Carolina. So, Corporal, what are you feeling today about all this chaos that we're watching? I think it's a bag of, of mixed emotions. Uh, well, first off, thank you all for having me and the Independence Fund for um, sending my name up the, up the chain. But, yeah, I think it's a bag, you know, a mixed emotions for everybody um, involved. It's over a 20-year period. You know, what was our what was our purpose there? You know, for me, our mission overall was to get Osama bin Laden and, you know, 
we're 10 years going on 11 years now from having that mission accomplished. So, you know, you move from that and nobody really knows a big, a bigger plan to what our veterans are doing and losing, losing brothers and sisters over there. And it's changing lives regardless if you like me, step on an IED and change your life on that, that side or, or changes everybody. You go over there and it changes the mindset of you. So I think it's just a failure of, um, of the administration executing a plan, coming up with a plan. And I know I'm kind of disappointed in the military brass uh, that's in Washington that would you you would think would have a better exfil plan besides just leaving in the in the under the cloak of darkness, uh, leaving the Afghans kind of hanging a little bit. And you know, as a guy with boots on the ground, you're taught never to do you know never to do something like that. When you were over there, did you um, see? the good that the U.S. military was doing, or was it just a survival mode? Um, when we first went um, a couple months, we was at a place that was more of a very friendly rural area, that, that picture right there. That place there was a very rural area, just, you know, kind of calm. And then a few months in, we moved down to the Panjaway District, which is the birthplace of the Taliban, and things really ramped up. And that place I would put in, you know, the ladder of, you know, survival of the fittest, so to speak, because they would run, run across the Pakistani border, put, uh, put bombs out on you, have, you know, ambushes. So it was a lot more amped up and a lot of guys got injured on that side. Okay. Did the uh, people you served with, mm -hmm. did they support the U.S. presence in Afghanistan back when you were in the field under fire? Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because in the military, you... You hardly ever even talk politics. You know, you're there to do a job. Everybody's got a brotherhood. Everybody's looking out for one another. Let's let's stay alive. Who cares about the politics? Um, we're gonna do what we got to do to survive. But we that that was never brought up. I mean, I couldn't okay. tell you what the guy left for right was. You know, now, I, I know now there's a lot of internet chatter uh, among wounded vets, particularly. And again, um, Kevin has been helped by IndependenceFund.org. We uh, urge everybody to uh, support that charity. But there's a lot of chatter going on the internet and back and forth. And what's a consensus? Do you, are you uh, seeing anything? Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of my guys um, that I served with and met through these nonprofits, uh, you know, some of them feel like everything was kind of in vain, losing brothers and sisters over there. What was it? What was it all for if we're pulling out and, you know, not looking, you know, a big point is, what about our allies over there? What about our interpreters that helped us be, you know, get that communication and that they were very vital to our mission. What about those guys? And I, you know, they put a lot of strain on letting interpreters come into the country. So I think it's a, it's a, that's a very big issue there. Yeah. Well, let's hope that they get out uh, now that the U.S. military is controlling the airport. Corporal, thanks very much. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to you. If you ever need anything, please contact me directly. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you guys. All right. Okay, uh, on other news, I'm just going to go through it rapidly. Obviously, uh, Afghanistan is the big story, not only because of that country, but because of the president of the United States. And again, I will tell you that I am becoming increasingly worried about the White House. I do not think that Joe Biden is capable of making a decision that is complicated. He's being told what to do by people who don't know what to do. And if you voted for him, you need to rethink that vote.
All right. Um, so everybody's wondering where the Durham report is. This has been the longest thing, 674 days. 674 days. No, I'm sorry. That was the uh, Mueller investigation, 674 days. The Durham investigation is longer than that, is longer than 674 days. So uh, there was a leak, uh, anonymous, that says that uh, Mr. Durham, the Justice Department counsel, is presenting evidence to a criminal grand jury now. All right. So... um, Just the highlights real fast. On July 28, 2016, President Obama was told by CIA Director John Brennan that the Clinton campaign financed some of the Russian collusion dirt. Okay? The head of that campaign, John Podesta, denied that in front of Congress. That could be a crime for Podesta. Another guy named Bruce Orr, I'm not going to get into it now, worked in the Justice Department. He's all over this. And then you have the FBI that investigated Russian collusion. I just wanted to bring it to your attention that Durham is presenting evidence, according to this report, to the grand jury. I've got a a column on Andrew and Chris Cuomo on BillOReilly.com. I hope you read said column. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. You're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. All right, let's go to California. So there is liberal panic in California over a possible recall of Governor Newsom. And I told you there would be because uh, California is the most left-wing state in the union. So all the newspapers out there, um, LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, San Diego Union Trib, 
They all, oh, no, 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 don't don't move, don't make them, don't throw them out. No, 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 no. And now on Friday, Biden and Harris going to campaign for Newsom in a clear eye. They'll be clear eyed, I, I think, right? So Biden and Harris going to, now I don't know if they're going there uh, or it's going to be virtual or what's going to be, but. Biden and Harris, he goes, oh, we got to keep Gavin, got to keep him. Pelosi is also joining the fight. So the latest poll has 50-50 for uh, Newsom. You know, it's a uh, CBS poll within the margin error. 48 want to keep him, 52, I'm sorry, 52 want to keep him, 48 want to boot him. That's within the margin of error. 1,856 California adult residents. Problem for Newsom is that everybody who wants to keep them has to show up and vote or mail it in. Because the people who want to boot them, they're much more motivated. So I'm still predicting on uh, September 14th that the steam song, na 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 na, hey, 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 goodbye, kicks in. But I could be wrong. So I don't like this Megan Rapinoe. You probably know that if you watch the No Spin News. She's a woman soccer player with the purple hair. I think she hates her country. Um, she's got all kinds of beefs. That's okay. But kneeling down and insulting the flag is not. So a former goalie for the women's soccer team, American team, Hope Solo, who's a big star, uh, said this about Miss Rapinoe. Roll it. Yeah, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. But I think the kneeling thing can, can be very divisive. Um, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that there's no national anthem right before the game to, to, to really remove that decision from athletes because that's, that's very tough. It's tough. Um, I've seen Megan Rapinoe almost bully players into kneeling because she, she really wants to stand up for something in her particular way. But it's our right as Americans to do it um, you know, in whatever way we're comfortable with. And I think that's really hard being on the main stage right now with so many political issues for athletes. There's a lot of pressure. All right. So Megan Rapino, I'm sorry, I mispronounced her name. She, according to Hope Solo, is bullying her teammates to kneel during the national anthem. Very nice. So Montclair University is in New Jersey. They have a witch hunting outfit called the Bias Education Response Task Force on campus. They're witch hunters. They go around, they try to drum up bias, all right? And then they try to get the people in trouble. So they got sued, all right? They got sued by the Young Americans for Liberty chapter uh, after they tried to shut them down. And the lawsuit was settled in U.S. District Court. Part of the settlement is that the University Montclair University has to disband the witch hunters. So the Bias Education Response Task Force has to go. Now this happened because the Alliance Defending Freedom organization filed the lawsuit. They won. Not all is bad. University of Michigan, okay, Ann Arbor, good school. One of their math professors says, you know, mathematics is racist. Roll it. And I think it's been quite difficult to figure out how to surface and unpack the ways in which mathematics, for example, is a harbor for whiteness. I think that the minute you say that, 
we find ourselves back in a pattern of discourse between the mathematics disciplinary community and educators that we've seen many times before, and it's always been about race. Sure, read and write and arithmetic, all about race. One and one, two, all about race. No, it's racist. Unbelievable, University of Michigan. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Here is a final thought of the day. So my pal Alexander Green at Oxford wrote a column about how Americans don't read the Bible, don't care about the Bible, and this is causing a lack of discipline in our society. So Green stats out half of Americans cannot name the four Gospels. Half. All right. Most Americans cannot name the first book of the Bible. That would be Genesis, okay? 40% do not know what Easter commemorates. It's not about the bunny. And the internet is the new Bible. So when I was growing up, America was a religious country. And um, some areas were more religious than others. But in New York, where I grew up, in the Northeast, Boston, Philly, there was a big ethnic drive um, toward religion. What that did was it put forth a series of rules, like the Ten Commandments, which are posted in the Supreme Court. There were rules for a civil society. Now, not everybody obeyed the rules, obviously. We're all sinners, and the jails are full of people who won't obey rules, right? But there was an accepted measure of behavior in America back then because people were educated about the Bible, about different religions.
is. So I knew what my religion was all about. I also knew what Judaism was all about. Half the kids in my neighborhood went to Hebrew school. And I knew what Protestantism was. I knew what Episcopalians and Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists. You know, I had a frame of reference. Now, forget it. Forget it. It's a totally secular society. And you can see the behavior deteriorate. Personal behavior. Just go on the new Bible, the Internet. Just look at the garbage that is on it. It overwhelms the good stuff. And, and this is a source of weakness for America. A moral society must have rules. I mean, late-term abortion is a savagery. Now, most Americans don't support it, but 30% do. And so does Biden and Pelosi and Andrew Cuomo and powerful people. That's just one example. Legalized drugs, that's insane. The damage that that's going to do because you want to smoke pot or whatever, it's a gateway drug. Ask any drug counselor. Okay, this is going to weaken our society. We don't have no problem with alcohol. It's going to compound it now. You're going to send a message it's okay to be stoned? I mean, on my beach, I had an idiot the other day with big smoking pot. You know, I got kids on that beach. I took care of them. But this is outrageous. So anyway, that's my final thought of the day. I, I know it's been a tough show to, you know, for America. I still have hope that we're going to take action and throw these progressives out next year. That's my hope. We'll see you tomorrow.